1: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Hello, Kieran. I, I can't keep up with where you are this week. You're up and down the country like a like a mad
0: thing. But we'll just, uh, You were in Leicester at one stage, I know that. We're, we're, are we back home now? We're back home, yes. I've been uh, commuting to uh... The Wonders of Canary Wharf uh, this week. Um, and I'm just glad I don't have to do it 52 weeks of the year because uh, ah. commuter land is uh, it, it's not fun. Did you go on Docklands
1: Light Railway or do you share Sam Allardyce's view that he, he's too terrified to go on the Docklands Light Railway? There's no <laughs> driver.
0: <laughs> I'm still, I am an old-fashioned tube boy. Growing up in the Elephant and Castle, I, I, I had a love of the Bakerloo line. And uh, yeah, I still, I still think that the tube is one of the greatest inventions of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I'll, go, yeah, I'll go along with it, yeah. You know, it's not as good as a taxi, but yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, uh, did I do the introduction, Kieran? Yes, I did. Sorry, you, you threw me while I talked about the Bakerloo line. Um, <laughs> to, it's news day, Kieran, um, and there's some big news on and off the pitch for Everton this week.
0: Yes. Um, <clears throat> according to The Guardian, Farhad Mishiri, has put Everton up for sale according to farhad mashiri he hasn't so oh. um we have a, a an interesting situation the, the there was an article in the guardian that uh, he was looking for 500 million pounds for the club and mm. um that that's a lot of money uh, clearly uh, you know given that, uh, the given that newcastle went for 300 million and you you weren't inheriting any debt it, it, if, if you bought everton now, presumably you'd also have to fund the remainder of the stadium as well so um does seem a lot of money he He's now sort of saying i'm I'm looking for a bit of expertise, a bit of knowledge I'm looking for a, a small investment in the club you know perhaps to sell ten or fifteen percent but um if if you look at it yeah uh, I like a number, as you know. Um, would would you pay £500 million pounds for or a, a share of £500 million pounds, uh, where you're only going to have a minority stake and you're buying the club with the seventh most expensive squad and the eighth highest wage bill in the Premier League, which is currently lying 19th in the division? Because there is a very close correlation, but normally between wages and player costs and uh, performance on the field. So if those two become disconnected, um, you you do get the very odd aberration, as as we saw with Leicester City with their magnificent success in winning the Premier League in in 2016. But that's the only time in Premier League history where uh, a club that's not had the top not been in the top 3 wage bills as has won it and uh, normally even if you've got the third highest wage bill you're not going to win it um so so everton appear to be at the other end of the scale and 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 therefore you've got to wonder well would you would you put 100 million pounds in for 20% of everton if if you only got 20% that means you, you can't necessarily even be a, on the on the board of directors uh, so it, it it seems odd um you know, i I share an office, well, so I share a, share a corridor with many Evertonians who are, uh, as you can imagine, quite uh, anxious uh, with regards to what's happening on the field, uh, and, and there does appear to be a breakdown in the relationship. Uh, the, the only people that seem to be doing well out of Everton's plight at present are banner producers in uh, <laughs> in, in Merseyside because they. There's there's a lot of them every, every time you every time you see the, the, the cameras cut to an Everton crowd there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, quite you know, quite waggish at times um, banners from uh, disgruntled Everton fans
1: quite lengthy as well some of them There was an essay the other day I almost expected to have to turn the banner around to get the the rest of it um, I'm sorry to hear, Kieran, After all these years of loyal service at Liverpool University, you, you're still working in the corridor. <laughs> Seems a bit a bit upset. I've had several people ask today, Kieran, uh, two questions about uh, the Mashiri potential sale. The first is: is he trying to replace the Uzmanov money? And and the second is that we now see Liverpool, Everton, and Man United all potentially up for sale or partly up for sale. Is there any significance in, in that, or is that just coincidence?
0: Well, I think if we look at those in turn. Um, the relationship with Alicia Usmanov has always, according to the club, been never more than that of sponsor and uh, sponsored club. Um, but that in itself seems quite unusual. You know, why? Why pay for a op? Why pay for an option on a stadium which hadn't even had planning permission? Why name the? Training ground after a metal exchange in <clears throat> in Eastern Europe. It, it, they, they, I'm not sure you get a lot of bang for your buck in those types of relationships. And also, why was Alicia Usmanov's uh, nephew appointed to the board of directors? Because that of, of Everton, you know, that's not the normal thing you'd expect if it's if it's just a sponsor relationship. So there have been a lot of uh, eyebrows raised about that relationship. So it, it could be that there was an expectation that Alicia Usmanov was going to uh, continue to provide very benevolent uh, sponsorship arrangements for the club. But clearly that's not the case, given his uh, alignment with Vladimir Putin's mob. In respect of why are so many clubs up for sale at present, um, I I think to a certain extent what happened at Chelsea – really set the hairs running. Nobody nobody in the right minds thought that Chelsea was worth £2.5 billion. Oh, so, therefore, perfect. the owners of Liverpool and Manchester United thought, well, yeah, let, let's strike whilst the iron's hot. Our clubs are worth considerably more than Chelsea because they are considerably bigger football clubs. Um, and we've seen a takeover at uh, Bournemouth. And uh, I, I think there is a, a genuine level of enthusiasm from american investors for english football because they think that we're not very good at marketing it um in an ideal world yeah we've said before that they'd like four quarters because that means more tv breaks that means more merchant yeah more uh drinks drinks breaks and food eating breaks and so on um but uh I, i can't i can't even see infantino agreeing to that yet um so uh I think it's it's a combination of events Yeah, we, we've got um, American owners at both Manchester United uh, and Liverpool who think that they can get an extract maximum value and I'm sure Farhad mashiri thinks the same and also perhaps he's thinking uh, I don't think there's a lot of love coming for me from uh, yeah. the L4 faithful and perhaps it's perhaps it's time I, I just uh, moved on.
1: Yes, any Chelsea fans out there who wish to take issue with Kieran's comments about the respective sizes of the club compared to Liverpool, Man United, take it up with producer guy. We've decided he's the public face of this pod. So <laughs> send your angry tweets to <laughs> him. Um, now, normally, Kieran, uh, everything in the garden is rosy for the likes of Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain, but not so this week.
0: Yes, Um this is in relation to a company called X Bet. Now, X Bet is a, a gambling company, um, and it is um, based in Limassol uh, and Russian-owned, uh, and it's owned by a former former Russian policeman. Oh. Now, people not familiar with the relationship between um, Cyprus and Russia uh, is that if you if you've got a if you're a Russian citizen, you don't need a visa to mm. to 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 uh, go to uh, Cyprus. So, therefore, Cyprus uh, you, you will see if ever you go to yeah, Larnaca or or the other Paphos or other places, you will see um, at restaurants there there will be menus normally in in Greek, of course, uh, in English, uh, sometimes in German, but very often in Cyrillic as well in in Russian because of the the large number of Russian people there. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that uh, Cyprus is, uh, is the main face of uh, money laundering for Russia, because that, that, that might be a bit harsh, or it might not. Um, yeah, and also, but- also you're, you're quite fond of your kneecaps as well,
1: Kieran. So <laughs> Absolutely. Best not, it's probably best not to say that out loud, but we, we get the implication.
0: So um, there is an there's an absolutely fantastic website called uh, Josima and they've done quite a lot of digging into one X Bet, who are the the sponsors of Barcelona and PSG um, historically they also had an involvement with uh, Chelsea, Spurs and Liverpool and that relationship um th- that relationship ended um after they started offering uh, gambling odds on children's sport which yeah oh. so so yeah, if you're under 18 you're not allowed to gamble so therefore it, it would seem pretty unreasonable to to have odds so um chelsea spurs and liverpool um yeah you know, even you know, we often talk about football clubs being blinded by the check uh even they thought yeah this yeah the 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 optics on this looks pretty poor They've got the likes of Rigober, Rigober, Rigober Song and Andrea Pirlo as their brand ambassadors, um, but there was a court case um, which originally took place in uh, Caraco, or the, the I think it's the is it the Dutch Antilles um, mm-hmm. in the in the in the Caribbean area, um, and uh, this was in the respect of uh, punters were winning bets and they weren't being paid by 1xBet. And the uh, the the company tried to reverse the uh, the attempts by the the Dutch Antilles. Yeah, and it, for for an organisation to get on the naughty step of uh, of, a, of a tax haven is is quite an achievement. <laughs> um, but then it then it, it it was heard in a Dutch court, and uh, that's upheld. So it now looks as if one XBet. Um, is heading for uh, some form of of formal bankruptcy. So where it leaves the relationship with Barcelona and PSG, we're we're not so sure. Um, PSG, if we're honest, doesn't need the money. Uh, Barcelona, given Barcelona's financial challenges in recent years, probably probably needs every penny it can get. So it's looking messy. Um, I think it is another classic case of gambling company comes along uh, nobody's following the the details in in with too much concern. Uh, large check waved in front of the noses of a football club, and and they just snap it up. So so that's that's where we are. Um, so it, I think they could be looking for alternative sponsors, um, but it, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't look too clever.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Kieran. When you talked about taking bets on children's sport, I had visions of Uncle Terry laying odds on the an egg and spoon race.
0: <laughs> um, well, uh, you, you might you might now put put thoughts into his mind.
1: Mm, mm, okay, I'll say I'll, no. I won't ask for a commission. In <laughs> no, uh, no, as I'll you win. say, as you say, Karen. PSG are not short of money, uh, especially after a recent little trip to Saudi Arabia.
0: Yes, um, and. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm going to not say lots of things tonight. I, I'm not going to say that this is a a brazen attempt to manipulate financial fair play and could set a precedent which other clubs trying to uh, get around FFP are going to follow. But um, last week um, there was a football match which took place in Riyadh between the Riyadh All Stars, which which to me sounds a bit like the the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. Um, uh, except uh yeah, you and I remember the Harlem Gold Test, you have the likes of Metal arc Lemon and Curly Watts and, uh, and so it wasn't, it wasn't Curly Watts, it was Curly something. Um and and they played PSG. Now the the read all stars turned out to be um uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and ten other blokes who could have been. <laughs> uh- um, and, and in a fantastic game, because it has to be fantastic, because there were nine goals. It was 5 4 to PSG. That sounds like a really competitive game, doesn't it? It's um, and it was billed as the last time that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi were going to face each other in a competitive game. I don't think it was a competitive game between you and I, but. In the issue from a financial perspective is that PSG were paid an appearance fee rumoured to be 10 million euro. So just for you know, hopping on a quick flight, 24 hours, get a bit of duty-free, um, you know, have a, have a glorified training session, 10 million euros. And under uh, UEFA's new uh, form of financial fair play, which is effectively a soft wage cap, if if this had taken place when when it's fully integrated, they would have been able to increase their wage bill by seven million pounds because you'll you'll be allowed to spend seventy percent of your total revenue on wages, agents' fees, and and effectively your net transfer cost. So it does seem to be a loophole. I, I did speak to um, somebody about this. Uh, over the course of the weekend um, who are saying you know, well I'm, I am I think I can get around these rules quite easily and he said to me if you think you can get around them you should see what the accountants and lawyers are doing uh, in terms of going through their their Philo faxes and contacting football clubs he saying we've looked at the uh, the rules of UEFA and if you do this you'll be able to spend x extra money so um, I, th- I think we're going to be having some form of glorified whack-a-mole um, going forwards, uh, in in relation to uh, the battles of financial fair play, just as we've had um, you know, a, di- a different a different flavour of financial fair play, but the same stresses and strains that we've had historically.
1: Did you say file facts, granddad? <laughs> I did. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I, don't, I think even Jacob Rees-Mogg has given up his file facts for some sort of BlackBerry. <laughs> now the-, um, the the next news story, Kieran has. It has a flavour of the John le Carré about it, involving, as it does, a group of MPs, the Premier League, uh, Mm. Chinese billionaires in prison and a British tech company working with some clubs, Asian betting partners.
0: Yes. And and for this, uh, we're indebted to uh, the investigative journalist and full-time sleuth. Uh, Nick Harris. Yeah, we've we've had we've had a couple Ooh. of chats with Nick. We, we know how how dedicated he is to yeah. sort of trying to dig out some of the the more macabre elements of football's relationship with with money. Um, so this is uh, this is uh, to do with a guy called Alvin Chow. Now, Alvin Chow has just been sentenced to eight years um, at the. Uh, at uh, the Chinese equivalent of Her Majesty's or His Majesty's, should I say? Of course. Now, um, uh, in in respect of of gambling, um, you know, gambling is illegal in China except in Macau. Now, yeah. uh, Alvin Chow set up something called Sun City, which um, which effectively operated in Macau, but it appears that it has links, according to to Nick's investigations. To an organisation called uh, TGB. Now, TGB operates from that well-known non-tax haven. Uh, keeping up my uh, keeping up my non-links, uh, um, and it is what you might call a, a white label organisation. And, and oh. by white label, what it does is that it provides um, it, it provides gambling. Uh, opportunities for the likes of spodop spotop who sponsor the front of shirt of leeds fun 88 newcastle stake everton and watford 8x listed yeah, with with manchester city and so on but what uh, tgb are able to do and by, by all accounts it's it's it looks like an office above a bookmakers. so it, yeah, it's not a it doesn't look like a multi-million pound operation um it's able to obtain um, UK licenses for from the Gambling Commission, which, in the eyes of the football clubs, gives all of these uh, gambling entities legitimacy, and therefore it's perfectly acceptable to say, "Well, we'll have your front of front of shirt sponsorship deal at at a high rate." So, um, the reason our uh, our esteemed politicians have got involved is that there is something called the APPG, the All-Party Parliamentary Group. And there are all-party parliamentary groups on a variety of yeah. uh, social and uh, economic issues. And, and, and again, sake of transparency, I, I have presented to the All-Party Parliamentary Group um, on gambling, and they've investigated uh, this, this strange relationship between TGB these white label gambling companies and potentially Alvin Chow, and they are coming out and saying, "Well, we're we're not particularly happy about this," and um, they say that they are going to investigate further unless the Premier League or the Gambling Commission itself are seen to, I think the technical phrase is, get their fingers out and do something. Yeah. So, um, where this goes? Uh, in terms of going forwards. And the all-party parliamentary group, as, as its name implies, you know, it is people from all uh, all areas of the political spectrum. And I must confess that I, I was very impressed with the level of professionalism that I saw. Uh, they, they, they certainly grilled me on areas which I didn't necessarily expect to be grilled on um, and, and were pretty knowledgeable. So um, it could be that if they decide to give the red card for want of a a glib footballing phrase to uh, TGB, then we could have a a number of football clubs who are being sponsored by gambling companies which don't have a gambling licence in the UK. I'll be honest, they don't care particularly about gamblers in the UK because they are nearly all Asia-facing uh, gambling entities and yeah. they're more concerned about their ability to to show their brand in the asian markets um but uh it it will be difficult to have any credibility i think uh, in terms of you know, why are you uh, what, why are you advertising the wares of a a gambling company which is now banned from the uk if if this thing does go ahead um for for these clubs so it could have financial uh, repercussions
1: uh, the last time Labour MP Jess Phillips appeared on Have I Got News To You not that long ago, she was explaining to us how much of the parliamentary work is actually done by all party groups mm. with, with what she described as grown-ups from uh, all parties cooperating and working together to get things changed rather than the, the children on ministers uh, shouting at each other in the House of Parliament. So it's quite encouraging to learn that there are some grown-ups. We are able to work together on issues like this. But as you say, this is something we need to keep an eye on, Kieran. Yes. Um, we, we mentioned Chelsea earlier. You have some perspective on Chelsea's recent spending spree, shall we say, and also UEFA's response to it.
0: Yes. Um, Chelsea, um, over the course of the present window, have spent more than um, Spain, Italy, Germany, uh, put together. Put together? Yeah. So yeah, one wow. club has spent more than three leagues. Um, <laughs> and if they try to take Kaishado from us, from £100 million, they'll be even further ahead. And frankly, I, I am getting just... I, I'm, I am uh, not. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Ted Bundy and his uh, his merry men at Chelsea. Um, uh, I don't think it's Ted Bundy, Kieran, is it? Oh, no. Sorry, Todd Bowley. Yeah, uh, yeah, apologies no. to... <laughs> Ted Bundy's family. Ted <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, you saw that one coming. Um, and um, and what what we've seen is the likes of Javier Tebas and uh, Andrea Angeli, though. How he's got the cheek to do anything in respect of football, saying, "Oh, well, this is this is further evidence, further evidence that uh, a super league is needed." And yeah. and the reason why they're saying this, and, and I'm not, yeah, you know, I, I, I try to give a, a fair assessment of, of the, the Premier League. The Premier League has got big decisions right again and again and again. It yeah. when it was started, it encouraged clubs to you know, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of All Cedar Stadia, but at, at nineteen ninety-two they were probably a bit more necessary than they are in twenty twenty-two or twenty twenty-three, yeah. because I think we now have the the uh, the architectural uh, advances. That you, you can have terraces which do not pose a threat to human life, yeah. Um, but they 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 got the international deals right by by going into all of these markets and saying, look, we're the Premier League, uh, we've got a fantastic new product, uh, and people were a bit skeptical. And saying, Premier League said, look, just try it. We'll, we'll give we'll give you we'll give you the Premier League TV rights for nothing for the next three years, and that was at the time. When satellite TV and subscription TV was just starting, and what the broadcasters found was that the uh, the Premier League rights um, gave sticky subscriptions. Yeah, the biggest fear of of a subscription channel is that somebody signs up for twelve months and then they cut the cord. Wow. Um, and what what the 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 TV companies found said that yeah, the movies movies. The, the likes of Games and Thrones, yeah, we like it, but we're not prepared to pay for it. When it comes to uh, Premier League TV, they love it. The, yeah. the overseas the, the, the overseas viewers love it. And the the Premier League clubs supported that by doing the pre-season tour. So we had the likes of you know, Arsenal, Spurs, Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City, all the big clubs, and Chelsea, um, uh, went went overseas, and that meant that there, there was more a greater connection between club and uh, overseas fan base, which expanded the fan base, which meant that there were more subscribers, and we've now got this virtuous circle. The Premier League generates twice as much money as the Spanish, Italian, and German TV deals – a lot of that is to do to the fact that um the Premier League's watched in one hundred and eighty eight different countries the Bundesliga isn't you know, you know, I, yeah I, I i like I like German football I like Spanish football I like Italian football am I prepared to pay for it no and and that's where the Premier League got it right they got in first they persuaded broadcasters to pay for it the broadcasters found that their viewers wanted to pay for it and ever since then there's been a an ability to extract more and more money from people so so that's that's where we are in terms of of the spending. Um, also, looking at Chelsea, uh, we we spoke at, at length in in one of the most recent shows about you know, how how on earth are they managing to spend yeah. this this money? Um, and uh, it comes back uh, to our one of our favourite words in the Price of Football podcast: amortisation. Yeah. Um, Chelsea were simply amortising their player purchases over longer and longer periods with players attached to longer and longer contracts. What UEFA have now said is, oh, we've just realized that that allows you to comply with FFP and yet spend an absolute fortune. We don't like that. So therefore, what we're going to do is we're going to limit the the period over which you can amortize players to five years. um, And Chelsea, Just take one look at that. And and these rules aren't going to come in until the the 1st of July. So Chelsea take one look at that and they just go, well, well, yeah, okay, we're in favour of this because we're the only club that's done it. We're the only club to have had an advantage. Everybody else is a loser. Chelsea are a winner. So um, the other clubs are accusing Chelsea of breaking the rules. Chelsea haven't broken the rules. They've merely spotted yet another loophole, yet another weakness in the rules, and we've said ourselves it's a high risk strategy because they, they run the risk of having, uh, you know, signing players who aren't very good on ridiculously long contracts and having to commit themselves to pay the wages which are commensurate with that level of transfer fee.
1: It's slightly disconcerting, Kirill. I know you're not Graham Potter's biggest fan anymore, but the, the BBC were reporting on Sunday on Five Live that Graham Potter didn't actually ask for Mudrick to be signed who's a fantastic player Mm. Um, it's simply a question of Todd Bowley not wanting him to go to Arsenal so basically Graham Potter's landed with a brilliant player but not one that was part of his plans when a club's willing to pay that sort of money uh, for that sort of shenanigan it does worry but as you say it's perfectly legal there's nothing Mm. wrong with it and and it's it's up to UEFA to to close his loopholes, which they've now done but other clubs will find another way around it
0: or you're an aspiring musician, manager, or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon.
1: Three clubs in the northwest, Kieran, have had a slightly dodgy week, unfortunately. The first is
0: Sheffield United. Yes, um, expect angry tweets from Sheffield United fans who who say, we're not in the North West. Aren't they? Yes. Oh, okay. But, they but are, they are. And, and let's face it, remember, I'm the person that thought Scunthorpe was on the coast, so... Um, it isn't, it's, it's, it's the North West from where I'm sitting. Well, true, true, fair comment. Um, so, we're going to start off with Sheffield United, and um, Sheffield United they have only gone and broken rule 52.2.3 of the EFL handbook. See, it doesn't matter where they're located Kieran, that's not the
1: important part of this situation. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what just for edit purposes, producer guys listening. One club uh, in Yorkshire and two clubs in the North East in the
0: northwest, West have, have a dodgy week. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, Sheffield United have Gone on to the EFL's naughty step, right? And uh, you know, I think we we have been critical of the EFL uh, perhaps a, a few years ago. Uh, I, I do think they are far more transparent. There, there, there does appear to be under Trevor Birch. I'm not saying that because we both met Trevor Birch. That there yeah. does appear to be a a new culture there of uh, of transparency and 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 honesty. Um, and keeping things in the public domain. So this has gone up on the EFL website. um, And what has happened is that um, Sheffield United have failed to pay some installments on transfers. And um, the way that this would normally operate is, first of all, Club X phones up Sheffield United and they go, hold on, you have this money, you so where's the cheque? And nobody answers the phone. Um, the the club would have then have been reported by whoever is is asking for the money to the EFL. The EFL would have phoned up Sheffield United and say, um, "Would you would you mind uh, paying up and giving giving Sheffield United a few days to do that?" Again, no response. So therefore, uh, the EFL have said, "Right, well, you are in breach of Rule fifty two point two point three and." you are no longer allowed to sign players until you pay up the outstanding amount. Now, we don't know how much it is. Uh, We don't know who it refers to and we don't know the other club. All I can say is looking at Sheffield United's most recent accounts, they owed a total of £37 million uh, in in outstanding transfer fees. So why is this taking place? Because Sheffield United, absolutely ripping up the championship at present, yeah, yeah they're going plan, for the really Premier well. League. You would think that they would want yeah. um, to, things to be as smoothly as possible in terms of doing a little bit of recruitment in the January window. Well, there are ongoing talks with regards to a takeover of the club. And quite often when this is the case, what you find is the present owner of the club doesn't want to have to go and fund any large sums going out. And the new owners of the club can't fund any large sums going out because they, at this point, at present moment in time, don't control the club. So you can end up with this sort of little, little vacuum, which could be the reason why um, Sheffield United are unable at present to uh, to uh, to sign players.
1: Okay. okay, you've you've got me really paranoid about my geographical knowledge now, Kieran. So let's just say that this next club is in Wigan.
0: Right, and I think that's that's geographically pretty precise. Yeah. Um, uh, so Wigan, again, naughty step time, um, paying wages late once, Ooh. and sort of blaming it on the Queen's Jubilee and an extra bank holiday. You might say, well uh, that. Why? didn't surely you should have known? But perhaps you can ex, perhaps you can excuse it. Paying late, paying wages late the following month as well, when there isn't additional bank holiday. So this was in June and July of twenty twenty two. Um, seemed that doesn't seem so great. Um, and um, then doing it for a third time in October. What was it? Was it in Goldfinger where James Bond? Met Goldfinger, and on the third occasion, Goldfinger said, I, I, I us meeting so often so quickly, it's more than a coincidence. Um,
1: well, he definitely met Goldfinger in Goldfinger, yes,
0: he definitely did, yes, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know
1: I, whether that's northwest of where we live either. Yeah, Goldfinger, it's not a place, yeah. oh no, oh no, it's, yeah, it's Fort Knox, oh no, it, oh, and Switzerland, oh, no, there's a mm. all over the place here,
0: um. So, uh, so Wigan have have come up with a sort of a a series of excuses, and the EFL have said, "Well, we're not convinced." I mean, ultimately, the players and all the other members of staff, and, and I think we we must reiterate this: uh, you know, if if you are a, a, a member of staff at a football club, the chances are, if you, if you're a non-playing staff at Championship level, you're not going to be on big wages. You've got direct debits, you've got standing orders. You expect your salary to go in on a particular day of the month, and then you know, all the money pr- goes out pretty soon afterwards. So uh, the EFL have said, um, we're we're not over-impressed. So therefore, we're going to give you a three-point penalty, but um, we're going to suspend it until the end of the year. So you've got to be able to prove... That uh, you are able to pay staff. Uh, yeah, Wigan do have. I think its uh, owners are from Bahrain. Um, if if people are interested in this, there there is a uh, a quite long uh, hearing, uh, which again is has been published publicised, uh, where you can go into the, the the more formal detail as to a how it arose, b um, what Wigan's excuses, and uh, c just how underwhelmed uh, potentially by these excuses were the, were the, were the council who were effectively making the judgment.
1: Yeah, Yes, my problem here, Kerry, we, we've talked about the effectiveness of points deductions before as a penalty, but the trouble is if they are deducted points, which could affect their league position, then again, the people that suffer are those Wigan players and those Wigan fans who work for the club. Yep. Rather than the actual owners. So it's not ideal, is it? Um and the final club in this whistle stop tour of the North West, or wherever we've decided to call it, <laughs> uh is is Preston North End.
0: Yes. Um I, I went on something called the second tier pod recently. And, oh, yeah. they, good. Yeah, and and they asked me to to name the, the clubs which I thought uh, were the best run financially. Uh in in the championships i said Rotherham they normally manage to break even millwall do a pretty good job yeah. um and i mentioned preston as well and this this provoked uh, i think it's fair to say a, a fairly fiery uh, response from preston fans right um who uh, said well we don't think we're wrong particularly well and and to be fair they listed out the reasons why and, and I, yeah. I don't have i don't have the uh, the, the the local knowledge to to say, they say you know, we don't think the catering's very good. We don't like the, 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 the relationship with the kit manufacturer is very good. No sign of a fan zone and so on. Um, I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll take it on board. Um, and then um, a week later, Preston published their results and they've lost twenty million quid. They've they've announced record losses. So I'm going, all oh, right, wow. I've, I've really really messed this up, haven't I? <laughs> um, but I, I still think that Preston probably punch they certainly punch at their weight if not above their weight slightly um and uh this this is sort of indicative of the lunacy of the championship preston are paying 178 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds that comes through the door and wow. this is actually an improvement on the previous season wow. um and yet they are they are not the, the biggest loss makers in in the championship, by an absolute street. Um, they do manage to uh, reduce their losses via something called group relief, which isn't what people might think it is. It's something to do with tax. Um, it's, it's it's only you that thinks it's
1: nothing to do with tax, Kieran, from I point out. Fair most enough. of us most of us mature enough to bring it. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't see that sentence through without laughing because I, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Um so so that's where we are with Preston. They've got by championship standards their wages are probably around about thirty percent lower than the average. Wow. Um, and yet they're still losing yeah. four hundred grand a week. Um It is indicative of the stresses and strains of of being a club in the championship. They owe the owners, the the Hemmings family, £77 million. Got to be realistic. They're never going to get that back. The the only way they can potentially get that back is, A, if they get into the Premier League, and B, they manage to find somebody to buy the club for for hundreds of millions of pounds. Um, I, I think the first of those two is more probable than the second. Bournemouth did get into the Premier League. They've just been sold for 120 million. So um, I I think uh, they've certainly got a chance of going up. They're one of those clubs that's normally sort of, if if they win three matches in a row, they're they're right on the the edge of the playoffs. It tends to be that type of thing. Um, So that's where we are. Not great results, but... I still think that there are they they're in the top half of of performing clubs from a financial point of view I'm not qualified to say uh things about you know the catering and the the kit uh there does appear to be a quite intense dislike uh of the Preston fans not of the people funding the club but um I think there's not a great relationship with Peter Ridgedale um although you know the club has been Quite open in trying to respond to these concerns. Yeah, I, I'd love to see Preston in the Premier League. Mm. You know, just, just
1: for those of us who have a passion for the history of English football, the history of football, full start Preston North End is one of those names that you feel should be up there. Um, I think it's worth pointing out to Preston fans that this is nothing particularly to worry about. I mean, this is part of the course of the Championship, isn't it? This is, this is not a sign of, of in, impending doom, especially while they're. Hemmings family are still uh, subsidizing the club
0: yes, yeah, yeah, and and they've continued to put money in over the course of this season. What they tend to do is is to uh put a couple of million in ev- every few months uh, and they they have been uh, benefactors, as are many other owners of clubs in the championship um and, and whilst there is that huge gap between the Premier League and the championship um it, it's likely to continue. Uh, you know, the only way that that can be addressed is if there was an independent regulator of football who tried to smooth out the uh, smooth out the cliff faces. Damn, we got right, we
1: got right to the end, nearly, Kim. We have got one news story to go. <laughs> people who had bet on it not being mentioned were counting the money. Um, it, it would be lovely to see Preston in the Premier League, but if they're not, there is some consolation uh, for certain types of Preston fan. From a potential new EFL trial,
0: yes, um, the EFL has uh, has has presented uh, again. I think this is uh, two, uh, two two MPs, uh, and this has come from the head of security at the EFL, a guy called Bob Eastwood. I don't think he's related to Clint, um, who has said that he believes that there. Is a case for a return to drinking at matches um, in the seats uh, in the t- terraces in the championship, but um, and he feels that it, we should give it a chance. Yeah, um, yeah. For anybody that that attends non-league matches, one of the great things, yeah. You know, you know, it, it, look, it doesn't bother me uh, in terms of uh, yeah. Of drinking because I don't drink. But yeah, I, I go I go to non-league, I'll pop along to the likes of Lewis and go to go to watch a match and and I and I see blokes there and, and you know one of you know, a couple when you get talking to them saying, yeah, one of the things is um yeah you know, we're treated like adults and we behave yeah. like adults yeah. and actually we can watch the match in a relaxed environment, have you know, we can sup our pints, have a natter away, watch the football, and we we prefer that to going to you know the upper echelons of the game where there is more of a uh, draconian relationship between the authorities and, and the people who are attending. So how how do we assess this? Well, um, you know, Bob Eastwood's comments was that following COVID, uh, it is a, a business imperative that all potential additional sources of revenue should be given due consideration. And, and you can see that from from a a logical point of view um he also sort of appeared to infer that uh if people could go for a pint 20 minutes into a half then um it's going to reduce people sort of loading up uh before the match um now again i I don't know very much about alcohol but I, I, I sort of understand that if, if you sort of have a lot of it at a very short concentrated period of time, that can be more detrimental than spreading it over a longer period of time. Um, the downside is I've, I've been to some rugby matches at, uh, at Twickenham um, where yeah, and uh, I've also been to you know one day internationals Test matches at cricket uh, but I've, but I think I think rugby is perhaps more of a parallel. To football, and remember, uh, we, we do have this sort of disconnect uh, as far as the government is concerned. If if you are a rugby supporter, uh, you are a responsible adult, and if you are a football supporter, you are a person that cannot be trusted with alcohol. Which which I find sort of conceptually a bit hard. And what happens if you like both rugby and football? You know, does that mean? On a Saturday, if you go to a rugby match, you are responsible. And if the following day you go to watch your football team play because they're playing on Sunday, you're not responsible. So it, it does seem to be um, some some inconsistency overall. But the the thing that I noted um, when I when I've been to watch rugby matches, and I, and I don't go very often, is uh, I spend loads of time during the the half. Uh, having to stand up and then sit down again because you've got blokes bringing in four or six pints um, of alcohol on a regular basis. I I, I go to sport to watch the sport. Um, And the other thing is um, what goes in must go out. So as well (laughs) as having to get up and down every few minutes for people coming in, uh, bringing in alcohol from, from the, uh, from the catering establishments, they they then of course have to go and recycle it um, and and go for a week. So, there's that. And also um, we, we do seem to have now, uh, you know, despite what, I, what, from what I hear are quite high alcohol prices all around these days. Um, if anybody's ever seen the, uh, I'm here, I'm going to use the word inverted commas at uh, celebrations at the likes of box park when a goal is scored. Um, that, that doesn't particularly appeal to me now I suspect this could be quite concentrated. Uh you know where, where I sit in 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 my area of the stand at, at the Amex um I, I don't think would be an issue because all the all the people around me are you know broadly similar age, similar outlook on life, go along to support the team. Um there is however and, and I hear I'm sounding like a, a grumpy old man there is an enthusiasm among some people to if a goal is scored to throw your pint in the air and cover everybody in beer and frankly that does not appeal to me and also uh having a baroness of whom uh the 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 coiffure and uh, the looking after of her hair is a very important part of her life i don't think she'd be too impressed with it either so um I think it would be an interesting experiment. I think what we could end up with is certain sections of stadiums being allowed to uh consume beer and and others not and perhaps this would be a, a win-win deal in the sense that the the football clubs would be able to increase um their their sales of alcohol. How much money they'll actually make from it I think is is uncertain. Uh but provided people don't behave like dickheads um then, then this could be extended to other parts of the ground as well. But it, it, it would be a test of uh, of people's celebrations. Yeah, it's nice to hear you end up with
1: beer over you at Brighton, Kieran, rather than Pinot Grigio. That's, <laughs> uh, also five um, Radio Five Live as a punishment. I believe to this day, once sent me to cover the Varsity Rugby match. At oh, good grief! Exactly. Um, and I got chatting to a policeman who said it was the worst day of the season for the local police. It's basically what he described as a bunch of pissed-up doctors in tweed taking out their marital frustrations on them. Um, as we mentioned on Monday's pod, I'm afraid that our next live show, which was due to take place on March the 21st at Plymouth Argyle, has had to be cancelled because Plymouth League 1 fixture of Accrington Stanley has now been scheduled for that evening. We are looking at a new date in the summer, it will probably be June, and we'll let you know as soon as we've agreed that with the club. In the meantime, thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then that would be very kind of you. You can go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at uh, In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell.
0: Well, thank you, as always, to everybody at Patreon. We do appreciate you the way that you support the show. Um, And also, all of those fans that have been in contact uh, on Twitter, uh, emailing, and so on. Um, We we do try to engage as much as we can. Um, There's another way, however, that you can engage with the show. And and, and this can help us in terms of algorithms. It can help us in the charts. Um, And that's to give us a review. Um, it, It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, as far as the narrative of the review is concerned, if, if you uh, if you grade us, how you think appropriately. So you could even say you would rather have the show presented by Chuck D of Public Enemy <laughs> and Jacob R.M. of the Tufton Street Massive. And it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to us. We, we could take that. I'm, I'm currently watching... Um, the, the story of hip-hop on BBC iPlayer, which is absolutely fantastic. If you've not seen it, How Hip-Hop Changed the World, absolutely superb show. So, um, yeah, if you like it, give us a review.
1: Oh, Kieran, you've, you've got to be the coolest football finance expert in the country, have you?
0: <laughs> Hardly.
1: <laughs> Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. <laughs> my son for photo